It's the week of September 3rd, and this is MASHcast number 66. edition of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Jarrett. I'm here with senior editor Rob Hill-Williams. Hello, everybody. Yes, and that is the only person I'm here with today. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is it. Just, just us two, like it used to be in the old days, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes in the old days, just two. So, but, uh, yeah, we're going to rock this. Just get right into it. This is MASHcast number 66. And uh, Rob, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Uh, Guild Wars 2. That's it. <laughs> it's it's a lot of short things today. Um, I I mean, honestly, I got it last Tuesday, so pretty much been playing it like each night, you know, after doing work and whatnot, and played it over the weekend for the holiday. Uh, I played a little bit of Sleeping Dogs, but it's pretty much been Guild Wars all the way. Um, I really enjoy it best thing about the game and it's something i really can't say for pretty much any other mmo is that like the game respects your time um like things are done with like the ease of use in mind and not just dragging you out to the next you know the next level the next thing the next you know thing you unlock like there is all that stuff you unlock different things you get stuff but it's not an exercise in just getting to that next thing like it and i I'm sure that's, you know, it's entirely because of the way it's structured. Uh, You're not paying a monthly fee, so there's no need to string you along to keep you playing month after month. Uh, Like, but they still have tons of stuff to do. But rather than say, you know, okay, we're going to string you along for this thing or this item or something. It's go out in the world, do shit. That's the game. I mean, like, and it's and it's fun. I mean, you they make it easy for you to get to everybody's starting areas. So even if your friends make different races and you start halfway across the map, you know, it's still super easy, you know, free, not dangerous to go and get to the other people to like, you know, to group up and hang out and do stuff. And ambient world events are what like makes that game because there's so many cool things that just happen at random. And there's things that like you may do the first time and it's not until you come back later or you're running around the zone trying to get map completion or you come back for some reason that you see other things that you didn't even know happened that were related to something that you ended up doing before you know like something will preclude an an event will preclude an event that is the reason why that event happened in the first place that you know you you took part in so it's it's pretty cool and there's also like even at lower levels, like level fifteen, there's like in like one in like the human area, there's a swamp, and this giant friggin' shadow demon thing spawns there, and like there are fifty people fighting it, and I mean like it's like everybody is everybody in the world is you know is is involved, so it's not like when I say fifty people fighting, it's not like oh that's some guild that 
you know, went off and found this monster. It's like, it's just people. It's just everybody who's running around doing stuff. And then you group up, you know, not even group up, but like, you're just in the area fighting this giant, giant monster that in other games would be, you know, stuff you do at level, you know, at level cap at in game. And then they all, they even make, you know, loot easy at the end. There's no rolling for loot or anything like that. Like there's a giant chest that pops up when that giant boss is dead everybody can go over to it and they get you know they get something random like they get their own random loot from it so it's just ease of use it's dynamic like it feels awesome to like do stuff in combat it's easy it's pretty it's i'm not gonna call it the greatest mmo of all time but it's it's really it's really good and it's a direction i hope more mmos go in not copy go in (laughs) but that's it guild wars good time Oh, I actually have also been playing Guild Wars. I just picked it up on Saturday. I uh, wasn't really planning on it. Mm. But I was in a Best Buy, and it was there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, eh, I'm going to get it eventually. So I just picked it up and bought it, and I started playing Saturday night. And I really haven't gotten that deep into it. I'm, I'm like level 10 right now. I got like a Char Ranger going on there. Right. Um, it's a good game. I, it's definitely a, a good game. I don't really have, in terms of the game that it that it is, I, I don't have any negative things to say about it. I do have, uh, I'm not gonna say complaints, but just some some issues. I have like the fact that there's no GVG in the game. Like that shows me that they really like the the original Guild Wars. They really focused on PvP. Like, actually, the game was going to come out and not have PvE, and they got a lot of negative feedback about it. And so that's why they added the PvE. And the way that the system was just... I mean, it wouldn't allow it to be, like, a WoW or a traditional MMO at that time, so that's why a lot of people didn't necessarily like it. But a whole different crowd of people liked it, you know? Um, But in this one, you could definitely see that I'm not going to necessarily say PvP is a complete afterthought, but it kind of feels like it. When you have a game named Guild Wars, and you don't have a way for the guilds to war with each other. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense? No, it makes sense. I mean, the guilds can't war with each other, but I think they kind of replaced that with the whole world world versus world thing. Yeah, I got some comments on that, too. Because <laughs> I, I, I participated in that, and my observations, I think, it might be a little funny. But, um, well, this thing, like the GVG thing was kind of like, I don't know when. I guess I don't. know, Maybe I'm comparing it too much to the original, and I don't expect it to be a clone of the original or just the original improved. Right. Uh, I do like the fact that they stretched out a bit and you know tried something different. But the thing about Guild Wars, like in my opinion, like Guild Wars, like the pinnacle of RPG PvP, the way it was set up. Like you know you had your you had your 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 teams, and because you had access, you only had eight slots. But you had access to so many moves. Like when Guild Wars first came out, you could do, you know, you could double uh, class. And between the two classes, you had 300 moves available. And so you can, you know, mix and match moves within that class and make these incredible builds within your team. So it was an extremely tactical game that, you know, me and my guildmates, we'd spend time and vent just standing together in the guild hall and talking about moves and strategies and trying stuff out. And, Something that was a lot of fun. Um, And it just kind of, you know, like, I haven't seen anything to kind of replace that because, like, there's no GVG. 
I haven't gotten anywhere that allows any type of arena PvP yet, but somebody told me that it exists. Like a small 4v4 or something like that. 4v4. Oh, yeah. No, and I've, in fact, you can you can go to that anytime, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I it's in your hero tab. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't been there, I should say. Yeah. Um, you but can like, start at any time. I mean, like, it's definitely more beneficial, I guess, to be higher level because you have more traits and skills and things like that. Right. But, like, you can go in at level 1 and it scales you up to level 80. So Yeah. Like, but, um... There's no, like, I was really surprised that they didn't have anything equivalent to Heroes Ascent um, in the Hall of Heroes in this game yet, because that, because that is what kept Guild Wars alive. Uh, you know, because it didn't take long to beat those those campaigns for Guild Wars. Mm-hmm. What kept Guild Wars alive was Heroes Ascent and the PvP players who played those. Like, that, like, that was some serious shit. I will tell you, like, Heroes Ascent was very, like, serious. Like, and, I mean, to the, like, to the point where... Basically, when you when you, whenever you got a win in Heroes Ascent, this is how rare it was. The average player never got a win, one win in Heroes Ascent. Okay, so every time you got a win, you got one fame, and like once you got like you know five or ten fame, you could do slash fame, and this golden avatar would appear above you, and um you know you kind of show your status, and so there were you know people would just play and do the fame thing to get those avatars plus. You know, actually getting to the Hall of Heroes was extremely difficult, and then winning the Hall of Heroes, like, forget about it. Like, every person in the entire game, no matter what country they're in, your guild, like, if your guild won the Hall of Heroes, everybody knew it because it was announced game-wide on mm-hmm. everywhere. So, I was very surprised that they didn't have anything equivalent to that. And just some of the things I'm seeing with the games, like the way um your moves work, like, Basically, five of your moves or five of your skills are controlled by your weapon. And that only leaves you with three slots, or maybe I'm not counting right. Because I only saw up to eight slots that I can, um, like eight moves that I can do. So, uh, actually, was it nine? Yeah, because one is the heal. I'm sorry, yeah, one of the five go to your weapon, one goes to the heal, and then there's three more after that for whatever you pick correct am i right with that or am i thinking wrong i'm not honestly like i didn't play guild wars like that far into like know all that stuff so oh, okay honestly yeah i mean you're, well you i'm talking about guild wars 2 guild wars oh two. it's you oh yeah and two that's that's what you have like the first five are your weapon the sixth is your heal and then there's three after that that you can pick when you're right yeah, yeah you and you can have different healing skills um and then, like, the last slot is for, like, your ultimate, so to speak, that you unlock at, like, 30. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, you have those three. It just kind of feels more limited than what Guild Wars was. Because in Guild Wars, like, you just had eight slots. And you could put whatever you wanted in those eight slots to build your builds. Now, it's like, I have to choose a weapon that has specific moves. And I think that's kind of cool that you can actually swap your weapons and then have a different move set. Like, I'm not complaining about it or maybe i'm complaining about it but it's not that it's not that bad right but i'd I, I rather, ha- I'd rather you, have it the other you way prefer that yeah you prefer the hot like the total hot swap ability of just grabbing whatever abilities you wanted exactly. like i mean, i, I kind of like the 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 whole weapon thing because it it is i guess i can understand like people would you know complaints about it that you know you don't unlock anything you don't get anything to look forward to you don't get to like swap things out and like just have a a different random build but i i think it gives it structure and 
I mean, like the thing that invariably happens. I mean, like maybe it happened less in Guild Wars, but the the thing that usually happens is that people find you know a combination of abilities for a class that basically makes the class like quote unquote broken, and then that's all anybody runs anyway. So everybody kind of does the same thing. Not to say that Guild Wars won't have that happen where people are going to tend towards certain weapons, but at least like the options are there. And I think that it's really maybe it's because like I'm I, I like the PvP like I mean I, I enjoy it but like PvE is what mostly what I'm playing for, and I like the fact that depending on your weapon and stuff like it changes and what you'll use changes depending on what you encounter and what what kind of enemies or groups of enemies that you'll face. So I think that in my brain like that's tactical to me. So I, but I get what you're saying that not being able to swap them up is sort of an issue i guess right well yeah. that's i mean that's the thing i like get the, the having the eight slots open in my opinion made the different classes even uh what's the word i'm looking for like they could be completely different mm-hmm. as opposed to be like okay well if he has this weapon you know he's doing this if he has this weapon he might be doing this like you know for example in guild wars with a ranger a ranger could be somebody who attacked with a bow and all of their attacks focused on using the bow at range, maybe poisoning, slowing down somebody. Or perhaps you could be a ranger that only focused on spirits and having mm-hmm. the different spirits up and, you know, uh, playing from that range. Or maybe you could be a ranger with a hammer and the only thing, not I should say the only thing, but like your big thing is knocking foes down. So maybe elementalists could do different things to different people, stuff like that. It just, I don't you know, it felt like it offered more flexibility because like right now you know if i have a bow five of my moves are going to be bow moves if i have a, a hammer or an axe same thing you know uh but that i mean like i said it's it's not bad i know it sound i'm i don't know if i'm making it sound bad but i just prefer it the other way <laughs> that's my big thing about it. i just felt like the other side was more flexible uh guild was almost more flexible than that it kind of seems like they wanted to make it more ex- accessible Mm-hmm. For people, because if you're definitely new to RPGs, like you can hop into Guild Wars and it's really easy to get into. Like you don't have like I would say that about the old Guild Wars. Like you know, you would get different points if you were playing PV. Uh, if you were playing PVE, mm-hmm. you know, you would get these different points to buy moves, and you have to sit there for a little while and find out which move you actually want to do because the moves are never all encompassing. All of the moves are made to complement them like other moves. So. This move may only do a small percentage of damage, or maybe it only uh, it'll start to bleed somebody at a very small percentage. But if you combine it with another move, now it's incredible. Right. You know. Uh. So like this one, like you know, you just you have your bow, and to learn bow skills, you just have to use the bow. That's it. Just use it, and it'll 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 go. That's the thing. So. I think that's I where the traits come in, though. Like, uh, and and if you're level ten, I mean, it's, like, you haven't really gotten into them yet, but like. It's it's almost the equivalent of a tree, but like there's passive abilities that you get when you start unlocking, like putting more points into the traits, and then there's passive abilities, but there's different ones that you can choose from. So depending on what your focus is or what you want to do, like I think that's where the actual builds for characters is going to come in more so than I mean, weapon choice and stuff is going to matter, but I it's still not quite the range of like. Well, actually, that's not necessarily true. That's not the range of possibility, but it's more about your passive. Like, it, it's more about your class and your passives than it is active abilities that you've chosen, in a sense. Right. 
Well, like, I haven't gotten traits yet. I know traits in the original Guild Wars would just very basically focus on the moves that you choose. And if you play PvP, you know, you would come in with a max level character anyway, mm. and you would just you already know your build, right? And you would just put the traits in the in the right place. But we'll see about that. Now, the PvP, like, the, like there's the world, the world be worlds there, and it's it's tricky doing massive PvP like that. Like a couple games have tried it. But in my opinion, so far, there's only really two games that I would say have done it very well. One being Dark Age of Camelot, and the other one being uh, Warhammer Online. Right. Because other than that, like, you know, those mat- those PvP, like, you know, PvP like that could just be straight up mass. You know, they could be chaos. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of what I've seen when I've gone to World... It, world it is a bit of chaos. Yeah, it's Dude, chaotic. <laughs> I stood on top of a hill... I did. I wasn't fighting anybody. Like I, you know, I fought somebody a little bit, but then I, like you know, I spawned one time and I went to the top of the hill and just watched, and it was just wave. It was just like a wave of people going back and forth. It's like, okay, everybody go this way, and everybody ran that way. It's like, oh, everybody go this way, and then everybody ran that way. And I'm just thinking, like, nobody is taking objectives. Not <laughs> a single person. Now I have only gone in there by by myself. Mm-hmm. How large can you make the groups, and can you make like subgroups? Don't know yet. I haven't. I have not seen like a max to the groups yet. Like the most I've had in the group is like four. So I don't. I don't know how big they go or how big you can. How big you can make them. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I've seen is like not so much just chaos, but just like I mean it's chaotic. But I've seen like almost like a real war where it's like people are fighting over this bridge to try and like be able to even get to the other person's side, and it's just dead bodies just in the middle of the bridge just all over the place dead bodies people that can't get up people that are waiting to try and get up like or or be gotten up people that are just oh i i haven't like the just dead bodies everywhere and like nobody's making any progress like that was like our first like introduction to world v world when we went in and i think it was just like the wrong thing because like later my friends were like dude this is i I can't do this anymore and they all left and i stayed for a while and eventually the other cert like the other the other server because i mean that's what you're fighting like they broke they kind of like broke through and like managed to push everybody back but like not even just temporarily but like really like break it open and then it just turned into like a fight all over the fields and like i was like this like when we started when that happened i was like this this is what it's supposed to be like right here right but I think that there is a lot of the with the trebuchets and the the bridges and everything else that it's a lot of the like okay well we'll try and go over here now like and then everybody <laughs> runs over there to try and take a point and then fails and it's like well go back over here and and then you get the the you know the everybody just gets in an impasse in certain places and it just becomes like just Dude, like you're not there's no progress like like from what i saw it was like two rival flocks of birds fighting each other <laughs> that's what that shit looked like from the t- the hilltop i'm just like jesus like you know it was funny though i was like if somebody would come just just close enough to where i was i'd pick them off <laughs> like i could i could totally pick them off like you know but like you know i would just watch it like this is so much chaos the, the, i, I want to see what the group structure is like because the difference in like the games, like games that tried massive PvP and games that try massive PvP and actually where it works is the group structure. Like in uh, Warhammer is closer once so I'll talk about Warhammer. Right. In Warhammer, you have like your group. I forget exactly what words they have, but it's like you have a group, and then you have like let's say a party, which is multiple groups put together, and then when you get into the big battles, because the big battles were like. 
200 people. So it's like you can have like 100 versus one, like 100 versus 100 people. In those battles, you could form war bands. So you have a war band, which is everybody, like all 100 people, and then is broken into these parties, you know, and then under the parties, you have groups. And so it made it a lot easier because if you were leading the war band, you talk to the leaders of the parties, the leaders of the parties talk to the leader of the groups, and then that's where, and then that's how everybody got their instruction. So it made it like, you know, these two groups, you go around here, this party, you stay in the front, you know, you could do stuff like that. And communication was very clear and concise. And, you know, you won some, you lost some. But, you know, that's just the way it was. Everybody like kind of knew, you know, you, you knew what you're doing. It was less, less chaotic because literally like as soon as you came into an area where there was a big fight going on. And if somebody saw that you didn't have, like, the warband tag on, they would tell, like, hey, this guy doesn't have a tag on, get him in the group. <laughs> you know, or get him in the warband. And, you know, that's pretty much how it happened. So I want to see, I, I need to see how the group structure works. Like, how large can you make your groups? Because like, if you have groups, but if you make them too large, it's kind of, you kind of have the same problem. Uh, but uh, if you can, like, have groups and then have subgroups, I think that will work a lot better. But for yeah. right now flocks of angry birds <laughs> that's what that shit looks like just angry birds just throwing classes at buildings <laughs> yeah exactly like just they just just let's see if this works like you know they're like just hit oh, the, the door shot yeah oh yeah pretty much so but um yeah i mean like i said i it, the game is definitely holding my interest i want to play the game i just wish that they would get some of this pvp stuff out because i know gvg has to come it's gonna yeah, come. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be like something that they add is like you know either just free content or in the next expansion or something like that. Ooh, maybe. It better, they better add that. Like within the I next think it's gonna months. be soon though. I don't yeah. think it's gonna take that long. Yeah, and it better be free. <laughs> like, like that, I would that. imagine. Oh, I'd yeah. imagine like PvP stuff will be free, but it's just gonna be like the additional like, you know. Yeah. Like so, like the other like the way the last game worked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah. So, New Wars is a good game. But that's not the only thing I played. I just to briefly talk about the other two things I played. One of the games is called Snapshot, which I played at PAX two years ago. I loved it. It's a puzzle game where you uh, basically you're a robot. It's actually it's a puzzle platformer, and like you you're a robot, and basically your only thing is you could take pictures and you can release pictures. So when you take a picture of an object, you capture it. You can release that object wherever you want to. So there you go. There's your puzzles. You have to snap the picture and then release the object in different places to, you know, get to certain areas or activate certain traps. But, like, after, like, th there's different um, areas. After, like, you get through the first half of the first area, the training wheels fly off. Fly off. Uh -oh. And they, you start doing some incredible shit. <laughs> like, you know, like, some just... Uh, and they don't give you a lot of instruction either. They actually trust you to play the game. So, you know, like, they dropped me in this pit this one time. And, um... It gave you no instruction on how to get out, and basically I had to figure out how to get out. You know, basically, getting, since I only had one tool that they gave me to actually get out of the place. So, but that game is good, and I'm gonna have the review up soon. Depending on if I play it, I might go into more detail next week. Uh, but then I played another shitty game called Star Void. God, that game is shitty. Like it really <laughs> it's is. It's just like, the shittiest shit that ever shit a shit. Dude, it's bad. Like, and the thing is, like, it's as bad as the game is. About 60% of it is locked behind DLC. Oh. Yeah. 
when I found that out, I was like, oh, they're never going to give us another game to review. <laughs> because I'm probably going to... Destroy I, it. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's, it, the gameplay itself doesn't hold up on its own to balance out the bad shit. Like, I'm mm. just talking about just gameplay issues, annoying voiceovers. Um, it can't stay full screen on my computer. It causes my arrow theme to disable. Wow. Yeah, it's bad. So problems. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be happy when I'm done with that one. But um, yeah, I definitely didn't think we were gonna talk that long for Guild Wars. So one third Guild Wars podcast. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> now everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, two and, sides. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, what did you want to talk about? Um. Uh, I want to start with um, good news because I mean, really, it's not. It can't be considered anything but good news. Um, Ubisoft has, after saying that they've had like ninety-five percent piracy rates on PC and throwing out numbers and defending DRM, defending DRM, defending DRM, defending DRM, they have gotten rid of their DRM for PC. So the always-on DRM that has played, you know, Might and Magic, you know. Six and then uh, Assassin's Creed 2 and every other freaking game that they have is no more. And supposedly it's been gone for a few months actually, they said. Um, which I'm really curious about because, I mean, I haven't played Mind Magic 6 to confirm but, I mean, last time I played it they were still using the Complex and all that fun crap that, you know, meant that you had to always be online. So I'm also curious how it affects games like that where there was a difference between if you were in offline and online mode and you couldn't access certain things. So I haven't seen actual evidence yet about you know what has really changed, um, but it is no more. You know, they're trying to, uh, I guess, uh, not hurt their paying customers, basically, because that's been the complaint is, you know, the only people it hurts is the people who pay for it. Um, so... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun was the one who, I guess, kind of pursued them on it. Um, and they got an interview, which, I, honestly, like, you just have to read. But it's it's basically just them going, you know, so why don't you publish the data about what your piracy rates are? And, and Ubisoft saying, because uh, it's confidential. We can't do that. And, and, and them not really letting them off the hook with it. And Ubisoft trying to wiggle their way every way but loose to not answer questions, really. Um, but pretty much saying that they were wrong, which is a pretty big admission, <laughs> I guess. So um, all it's going to be now is a one-time activation. Um, you know, the same I guess as most most games. Um, when you first you know sign on or sign in or put in your you know your verification code, um, serial number, what have you, whatever your particular game requires. Um, but after that one-time activation you won't be required to be online in order to play your game um, unless of course you're playing stuff like multiplayer and things like that that are online so yeah it seems like good news the only thing that i was questioning is they say that you know oh you don't have to play you, you you can play your single player offline and that made me worry a little bit because like i said i haven't actually checked on the games but um like i was like my my what I was saying, Might and Magic 6, if you played offline, you could play the game offline. But if you did so, you lost access to uh, like special items and, and things that you could unlock that you could only unlock if you were playing connected to the, to the online all the time. Um, but of course, if you lost your online connection, you, you, had, you lost the game that you were playing. Um, 
So I'm curious if what they mean by offline is that you get an offline that's limited and, you know, the same way that some of the other games have been limited in offline, or if they're saying that you can play offline or you can lose a connection even if you're online and it won't affect you actually playing the game, which is what I hope they're saying, which is what I think they're saying because everyone is saying the DRM is done. So that's what I'm hoping. So grand day, I guess. Yeah, man. You can only be wrong for so long before you have to admit the truth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the only person, the only people who this was affecting were their paying customers. Yep. And I think everybody knew that, except really them, because the paying customers are getting screwed. They can't play their games. It's causing people not to buy the games, but you could still find the games on Torrent. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Those just fine. Didn't matter. Didn't it- affect them at all. Exactly. So they were like, you know, somebody was was definitely eating their shirt on that one. Wonder if he's still working there. <laughs> like, is, is he is he just an empty desk now? Oh boy. You know that whoever made that decision because you know shit rolls downhill. It does roll downhill. I'm sure somebody ate something for the decision, but I mean they they are still very much trying to defend their position as far as you know. Oh, well, we have data and all that kind of stuff, and it's like. Everybody says they have data. No one shows what it, you know. No one actually shows how they collected it, where it's from, what it what it actually says. So yeah. I just kind of weakens your position. It's hard to. I, I find it hard. Maybe maybe because I didn't graduate from college with a marketing degree, but it's kind of hard for me to understand. Like, why do you keep up this facade? Why do you lie like this when people like you know uh, you know people be I I'm not gonna say necessarily gonna say it more understanding, but wouldn't get so frustrated if you were just either like honest or realistic i'll say realistic yeah you know realistic works because realistic does work though if you if you go to your customers who like your products and want to pay for them and say look like we actually do have an issue and as far as we can tell you know there's been this amount of piracy so we're going to try this thing to try and combat it at least i think people would understand like if you if it you know if you're trying something, if you're communicating with them and telling them why you're doing it and, and when it, if, if, and when it doesn't work, you, you know, change it, you know, or try and correct the problem or if it affects your paying customers, you correct the problem. But too often what happens is they just change shit and then that's it. And like, people are like, Oh, I, I want to pay for your stuff, but I bought it and I lost my connection for half a second because Comcast is trash or whatever. And now I just lost all my progress in my single player in Assassin's Creed or something, you know, like that's a problem. But like, then they just sit there blankly and say 95% piracy rate. And that's, that's their only answer. And it's like, okay, (laughs) okay guys. And then, and, and at that point, like your customers walk away from you. Honestly, I think that's that's pretty much what happens in most cases. Like if they they either you know stick with you through the bullshit for God knows what reason, or they go somewhere else, or they start pirating your stuff because it's easier. Exactly. Which is the other possibility. Exactly. If you treat people like a criminal, like they're not going to want to stick around and like help you out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and oh. at that point, you're treating your paying customers like a criminal. Like, I understand. You know, you got to do what you got to. No, fuck that. You yeah. know, like, like no, it, it, it doesn't work like that. And. I've always wanted to, I, I want to talk to somebody. I want to talk, because this has always struck me since Epic Games started talking about it. Like, when they, back in, in like, 2007, they were like, well, how do they say, like, um, like, they're like, th- like, three out of every five activations for Unreal Tournament 3 
were oh. for like bad keys. It was like some right. high ridiculous number talking about PC piracy. Like where like you know, like where do you get these numbers that this is your piracy rate? This many people have pirated your game and this many people this is how many dollars you've actually lost. You don't know because when the hackers when they hack this stuff, they remove activation. You can the best you can do is guesstimate or look at torrents. You know? Right, and you're also, and if you're counting every bad activation, you're that means you're counting missed attempts, you know, screw ups, you know, people putting in a code and it not working for whatever reason, and like exactly. they bought a copy because they that's all. How'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just sometimes, like, you know, like I remember back in my pirating days, man, just up oh, that key didn't work next, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I mean, you're gonna get that, but I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you have legitimate people who are screwing up codes too, and you're counting that. So that, is, that is that is that oh yeah oh god I'm glad those days are pretty much gone putting those damn codes except every, you still have to do it on the the the, the Xbox which that's why I do appreciate the PSN only having that the the, the the three uh the three sets of codes you know yeah. four digits each way Dude, to go 25, Sony twenty five digits or whatever to put in an Xbox like that's stupid that's <laughs> like I'll, I'll pass I'll pass like I'll buy PSN points in the store. I will not buy Xbox Live points in the store. Oh, yeah, it's I, you're just putting in your fucking credit card, which maybe is the point. Maybe that's the point. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. They got those security issues. I, I took my credit card off of my Xbox account. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not saying anybody should have it on there still. I'm just saying that maybe that was their goal. Is like, you know, we'll make it kind of we'll make it complicated enough that people want to, you know. Or I could just buy my games on PSN because that's what I've been doing. Also true. <laughs> that's what I've been doing, actually. I'm kind of I'm I'm uh, been so busy, but I'm trying to work on an editorial about why. Because right now my PS3 is my primary console mm-hmm. right now. Um, there's only sometimes I'll get games for the Xbox because, uh, you know the Xbox still plays at 1080p where the PS3 does not. Right. And with most games, but for the most part, I play my PS3. But that's a different story. That's that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> different story, different time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you had something else that you want to talk about, right? Um, well, speaking of PlayStations and Xboxes, except now we're going to be talking about next gen of the PlayStations and Xboxes. Um, EA, oh, EA, <laughs> um, EA has said that there won't be any more single player only games for next generation. Um, this is not to say that there will not be any games that have been traditionally single player only. Like you know, that, that's not to say there won't. Yeah, well, not not that there won't ever be or not be a Mirror's Edge. We don't know that yet, but people keep slipping up and saying it's in production and things. But, you know, stuff like Dragon Age, uh, I don't know, Mass Effect. Basically, what they're, they're not saying that they, they won't make those games anymore. There won't not be single-player game versions of those games anymore. Uh, but what they're saying is that all of them will be socially connected. That you know they're gonna be they're gonna have digital services and multiplayer that make them live twenty-four-seven, three-sixty-five. Um, they say they have not greenlit one game to be developed as a single-player experience. Uh, and also, you know, very much like they're saying that, you know, free-to-play is, is very much in their, fu- their future cross-platform play and day one DLC. All the things that we love! And they're done when they're done the way that most console developers, or not developers, but, well, yeah, developers, 
<laughs> that are in the realm of EA tend to do them. Um, I mean, I, that's basically it. Like they're basically <laughs> saying there's no more single player, no more. You won't be able to pick up a game anymore in the next gen at, from EA and have it just be a single player experience for you to just play on your own. Um, I mean, you want you want to take this first? Or you want to? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. Because I don't know. Sometimes these talking heads from these companies just need to shut up. Yep. And make games. Just shut up and make games because this does not make me want to buy EA. This is telling me in the future, EA is not going to be pressing out that many games I'm going to want to buy. Because by, and we've seen it, I mean, we've talked about it, when they start to add all this stuff that the developer has to add into these games, these different services, and forced multiplayer, and all this stuff, the single player suffers. And the thing is, most of the games we remember it's because of the single player. You know? Mm. Like, who talks about Metal Gear's multiplayer? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody talks didn't about even, the Metal Gear multiplayer. Didn't even start it up. <laughs> exactly. Nobody talks about Metal Gear's mu- multiplayer. Nobody talks about Half-Life Deathmatch. You know? We talk about Half-Life. We talk about Metal Gear. We talk about uh, all these... Ma- who talks about Mass Effect's multiplayer? Nobody. Well, I wouldn't say nobody. It is entertaining, but it's not at all what you it, you didn't hear anybody talking about that when they're talking about the way that Mass Effect Three ended or Mass Effect Two. Right, or that's what that. I'm saying. I, I'm you, not, when you talk, yeah, that's it's I'm not, not it's bad. the reason people play. Exactly. Like you know these these moments or these games, these experience that uh, these experiences that you know really impact us as gamers. They don't come from multiplayer. I mean, I, I mean, I've played Counter Strike for years. You know, I played Unreal Tournament for years, and you know what? I had some really great times. I had excellent times playing those games and multiplayer. I met a lot of friends, and you know that I still have today, and they're great. I do, I do, I do have, I did have good times playing those games and great experiences, but nothing compared to the impact of me playing Half Life Two. Or, you know, me playing, you know, Metal Gear or Spec Ops or, you know, games of that nature. You know, like when I get together, you know, you get together with a group of friends and you're playing a multiplayer game. But, hey, remember that time you did XYZ? Yeah, yeah, remember that. Oh, remember this happened? Yeah, yeah, remember that. That was fucking awesome. But then you start, if we start having conversations about actual games. Like, I've had hours of conversations with people about Metal Gear. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) yeah, because it's, because in a sense, the stories that you have that you make that are on your own and then you can share them and compare and see how you're different or what you did that was the same and the war stories basically because that's what they are your war stories from games are or most of what drives conversation with you know when you're talking to other gamers i mean it's you can have war stories about multiplayer but i mean you're only going to have so many about that time you totally knifed that dude in the head and then called in a nuke and you know modern warfare like Exactly. I mean, people do it, but it's different to be like, dude, you know, in Metal Gear Solid 4 and you're fighting, you know, Ocelot and he kisses you and blah, blah, blah. Like, (laughs) you know, like, and people are like, wait, what? That can happen? You know, like, just war stories. Like, that's, I don't know. It's a big part of things. And it's like, you're almost robbing that. Not not to say that, like, because the single player experiences will still be there, but like, how much are they going to suffer? 
how how much is going to get robbed from them because they have to tack on a shitty multiplayer that no one's going to talk about you know two months after it's you know releases or if if at all yeah like how are you going to stuff a multiplayer into a game like mirror's edge or you know, or not even say not even multiplayer. How are you gonna stuff a multiplayer or some type of service to make it twenty four seven three sixty five? Like a Mirror's Edge or let's say a Beyond Good and Evil, you know games like oh, that. You know stuff like that. Like not every game needs to be these services, and that's what they want. They want to turn games into services so they can milk more money. Oh yeah, they want they want free to play without the free part. That's yeah, what exactly. they want. Yeah, exactly. They right. want they want free to play where you pay sixty dollars. They want you to they if they could if they could tack a subscription on the Modern Warfare, although they basically have already, if they could tack like a fifteen dollar a month subscription on the Modern Warfare on top of making you pay sixty dollars for it and basically have you playing, you know, WoW of Duty, they they would do it in a heartbeat. But oh, it's yeah. the people don't are are against so against even in the MMO space against those fees anymore that now they've found different ways to to put them across to you so they sell you maps they sell you upgrades they sell you you know whatever it is you know they sell you microtransactions so that if you like the game that you'll spend you know a little more money here a little more money there and all of a sudden you've spent not just sixty dollars to play a game but like you know a hundred and fifty dollars to get a full experience in a game exactly in a lot of cases I can totally see this becoming like, well, actually, we're kind of already saying it already, but then cutting up the game experiences even further, like, okay, so you buy the game, it's going to be like 60 bucks, because that ain't going nowhere, folks. Right. So, so your game is like 60 bucks, then you're paying like $10, $15 a month to access the episodic content, and maybe the user-created content, and the multiplayer, and the co-op, and all that bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, like... Oh, like Cosby right now, and you got the, you got the multiplayer, and the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, I can totally see that happen with these... You know, twenty four seven, three sixty five services. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's kind of it's cool to have your games connected. Like when I'm playing Sleeping Dogs, um, you know, I'm driving down the road, and as you're driving, it, it's it's timing how long you get the clean driving for. Right. And it says, well, Craig got blah blah blah. You only did this, <laughs> you know. And so it's like, okay, that's cool. Let me get that record. That's one thing. But forcing people into that is a different story. Yeah, forcing people into it and making people pay for stuff like that. Yeah. God knows that is what will happen. Going to. Going to happen. Some unfortunate fucking game is going to be like, you know, you can access, you know, competitive online stats for, you know, just 99 cents or some dumb, dumb shit like that. Oh, yeah. Awful. Like, they want to microtransaction the shit out of you. Like, these, I don't know, man. Like, (laughs) these executives, like, they see different business models working right and they want to try to stuff said business models into their current model and it just doesn't work like that like you mean to tell me you you can adapt some things but you can't jump on every little trend but that's what happens yeah and uh, i mean that's like you uh, it's like they weren't making enough money already (laughs) and that's no, that's not how you run a business. You can't run a business thinking I've made enough money. No. They never, ever, ever will think we've made enough money. <laughs> and that is the first mistake that we all make is that we like to think of them as human beings. That and in a true. sense, they're not because yeah. they don't care. They don't and, think. But you know what? I, always, I, I will understand, I understand that they always want to make more money. I mean, we've been seeing that. I mean, we saw that over, over the yeah, years. But it's always been like incremented. Now it's like, Oh shit! Angry Birds made that much. We need an Angry Birds right now. 
we need to implement that right now so we can start making that money tomorrow. Like it's the California gold rush, except it's, you know, the video game gold rush. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if it, if it wasn't for indie developers and the accessibility they have now to push their games out. Uh, I shouldn't say just indie developers, but developers with common sense. And then companies I like say, that. I would say the indie indie de- indie developers and indie minded developers, because we have a lot of developers that are getting published through bigger people, but still have like the the mindset of indie game companies right. that they're trying to do something new. Exactly. Like if if it wasn't for them, I'd say the industry would just completely collapse on itself. I do think like we're gonna see the some big companies come and go, some big developers come and go, but I, I thankfully because of the companies like that. I do think that we're always going to have good games to play. Right. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's just really stupid for EA to say something like that. Activision is probably saying the same thing. It's keeping the fucking mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Activision. yeah, they probably are. They're probably saying it behind closed doors. And in Act- fact, in a way, they've already made their statement with yeah. Call of Duty Elite oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Activision so is a company of, of, of little words. Just oh, actions. Yes. Big actions. But when you make that much money... I guess it doesn't really make a difference, <laughs> you know. You make that much money, it doesn't really make a, make a difference. So they just, they just, they just do. They don't talk about it. <sighs> but uh, yeah, we want to get, want to get into my topics now. <laughs> yeah, do it. All right, so uh, I got two here tonight. One is the Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes trailer, um, and I, I know Rob, you watched that shortly before the podcast i i I had to watch it again just to kind of check some things but i wanted to get like what did you think about it um man kojima's got an affinity for like having some videos that don't really i know it was really basically a tech demo but he's got an affinity for videos that don't really show anything i mean like i know that i don't think that was the entire video because i mean they talked about certain things that you know you do and happen um in the course of the, the demonstration they were shown and I think it cuts off before we get to see like all of it right. but uh, nothing really happens in that I mean it, it does stuff happens don't get me wrong but like if you were looking for like a big demonstration of you know what you know explosion effects and particle effects and the different you know real time damage or anything like that like you weren't getting it out of that video you got to see a lot of cool things um, but it was it was Tecnema so I didn't have too much too much in the way of like thoughts on it i guess in that sense yeah. it it's a prettier like a much prettier version of you know metal gear solid 4 and yeah i don't know yeah see so, yeah, first of all i think oh, there's been some debate on whether it's next gen or not i'm i think it's definitely next gen they've uh, said current gen too though well i've, I've heard those it's current gen pc hardware right. that's what oh, that's it, so basically is next gen yeah that would be go that route that'll be next gen um so yeah i it's definitely next gen uh those graphics can run on a pc but you know if you if you if you only have a console it was very very new to you um but it looks great it looks great um the weather effects amazing tessellation amazing the lighting effects were really good uh the pixel like the the pixel count like i mean this is i guess is getting really technical <laughs> like what i'm talking about but just the smoothness of the faces um you know and and the characters and how the clothing moved and stuff like that the physics all that stuff it looked really 
really good. And I, I can't wait for the engine to come out. It should it should be a really a, a good treat to to look at. But you know, of course, it's Metal Gear, so I'm more concerned about what it's actually showing and and relevance to Metal Gear. Right. Yeah. I mean, like like we discussed beforehand, I didn't play any of the PSP ones. I mean, like I read up a bit on on Peace Walker, but I didn't actually play them. So my full background and understanding of certain things is going to be, you know, off. Right. Well, the game is definitely, um, first of all, the protagonist is definitely big boss like it's not snake right uh, it's not solid snake it's it's snake but not <laughs> snake, solid snake but boss snake <laughs> yeah, exactly it's big boss snake um and you can tell anybody who wants to argue with me about that like look at the the patch look at the the eye patch the, the eye that it's actually in. on yeah and it's a yeah it's a walkman he, he there's a kid in the cage which was in peace walker very pretty much extensively well not extensively but extensively the same way that you know they had the ipad or ipod and and Metal Gear Solid 4 and stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. Like instead of handing this kid a... Uh, which Big Boss hasn't handed to him. It's probably one of the main enemies uh, from the game. But he hands gives the kid a, uh, a cassette player. And the kid starts to listen to it. The song that I was playing was actually from 1971. But this game definitely takes place after Peace Walker. Because some of the names they mentioned. And the events like, oh, we found this person alive. And we need to get them out. For, you know, whatever reason. Uh, you know, um, but the the boy in the cage, like there's a boy in the cage, and they said like the, the main guy was almost like, hey, you know, she told us everything, good work, how's it feel to be a you know to be a traitor, blah blah, all this stuff. And at first, I thought the kid was right, and I thought the kid was Jack, but the kid would be too young for that. Like actually, Jack wasn't born until like 1980. This was definitely like mid 70s, mid to late 70s. Um. I think, personally, I think the kid is either Solidus or Liquid. I think it's one of the snakes. Personally. Um, oh, you think eventually... Yeah, because th- I mean, think about this. The snakes were created in 72, but they had the accelerated aging. And, but, uh, well, Liquid and Solid have the same acceleration, but Solidus acceleration was actually even faster. Because right, since because he, was, he's, yeah. he's, he was the perfect clone, and they needed him to be the figurehead faster, um, so he, he it could you know could be either one of them. Like with the accelerated um, growth, that kid looked like he was like nine, ten, maybe. So yeah, that's the only thing. Like from what I'm look like what I've seen like in reading up on Peace Walker, it's I I think it's supposed to be Chico from Peace Walker. I guess he's like kind of a minor ish character. Uh, he looked too young. That's uh, that was the problem. Like yeah. I saw like the the images and stuff from Peace Walker, and I'm like, compared to that, he does not look like the same yeah. age. But the way that they refer to stuff from what I read, like, seems right. Yeah. And maybe it's just the you know the carryover of trying to a new engine on you know on a PC maybe. versus. But I mean, it could very well be. I it would it would be really interesting to see if it was Solidus because that that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To me, because looking at it, I'm like, when you said that, I was like, it could be. So that's I, don't know. I think it's it's I per, another reason I think it's Solidus is because the kid has an augment. Like if you look at the the, the video, when he pull like he pulls the headphone yeah, out, of out of his chest, chest yeah. it's out of his chest, and he puts it into the tape deck, and he starts listening to music. So it's kind of like, hmm, you know, Solidus had augments like that. Not to mention that like it might be liquid. But liquid 
was sent to, to, to Europe. He was sent to Britain. And he also always had a fucking shirtless chest, so you would have noticed a headphone jack in his chest. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, for such a badass villain, he was really <laughs> scrawny, man. <laughs> hey, man. That's because they were going for that Bashonin thing with him. Yeah. There. But, like, I, I think it was, I, I'm thinking it was one of the snakes, but I think it was Solidus. Um, you know, I have to find out what's up with the backward fox thing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, like, I, it's supposed to be, I guess, a counter-organization, but there's not, yeah, there's not a lot of information about it. Yeah, there's not a lot of, yeah, so, I, honestly, like, I mean, you, you never know what they're gonna do, but this, chronologically speaking, I think this would be the last step between, between, you know, Metal Gear Solid 3 and actual Metal Gear, because now that Snake's back on Fox, you know, because the thing is, like, you know, with Peace Walker, he wasn't really there. Um, not sorry, not Peace Walker, but you know, after after Metal, the events of Metal Gear Solid Three, and then making his way, you know, what everything that happened in Portable Ops, Portable Ops Two, he wasn't really, it wasn't really Fox. Uh, but now that he's officially back on Fox, this will put him into a position for the events of the original Metal Gear to bring Snake in and to train right. Snake and to do all that stuff. So I don't know that that could that could be it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but. Personally, that's that's what I think is happening with that, but only time will tell. Very excited. I cannot wait for it. I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. I just the only the only problem I have, you know, the only problem I had originally when I heard about it was that oh, if they do it after, if they continue Metal Gear Solid Four, I'm gonna be pissed, you know, because that should have ended the arc. But they're bringing it, you know, doing like a prequel type thing, so I don't have a problem with it. Be honest with you. I'm not even counting Metal Gear Riding as part of the series. Yeah, at this point, it, it really it, it isn't. I mean, like it's it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's related, but it's it's not. Like it's almost like a side story that you can almost consider not to be canon, except that silliness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing. So, but I, I am definitely looking forward to Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. And I know there's a lot. There should be a lot of debate on that actual video. So if you're ever gonna comment on something, now's the time. Talk to us. Tell us what you think about about you know that video. And what your thoughts on it? Uh, but the other topic that I had was regarding Valve Greenlight. Uh, sorry, Steam Greenlight. Which, uh, for those who don't know, uh, what was the last week? I think it opened. Valve opened like this voting system where any developer can put any game into the system called Greenlight, and then people can come and vote on said game. If the game got enough votes, it was greenlit, and it would be put onto Steam. Um, and it was kind of what, because Valve said, you know, they get so many submissions that it's hard for them. Sometimes they miss really good games, and it's hard for them to keep up, so it seemed like a really good idea. Right. Well, a couple things have been happening. Um, well, here, I'll just read Valve's quote. Okay, there, there was this too. Um, Two things we've noticed so far. First, there are a ton of legitimate submissions that people want to see. Second, there is an unfortunate there is unfortunately a significant amount of noise and clutter being submitted, either as a joke by fans, uh, not fully understanding the purpose of Greenlight, uh, or, sorry, either as a joke by fans or by fans, uh, not fully understanding the purpose of Greenlight. Which, actually, I've seen some things go up there, like Half Life Three, somebody put up and Valve had to remove. Um, and I don't know. Have you gone to the Greenlight site at all? Yeah, I've looked at it. I and honestly, like I, I couldn't imagine like unless I specifically got pointed at something that I thought was interesting. Like seriously, sitting through it and going through all the stuff. 
Exactly. I, the first page I looked at, I'm like, half of this looks like complete garbage. Exactly. A lot of it. And that's the problem. Like, when you just open something up like that, I mean, it's the same thing we talk about with the iOS store. Like, you know, how do you filter out the trash? Which there's a lot of it. Uh, so they came up with a solution. And uh, one of the other solutions that they came up with is uh, uh, another quote from Valve. The first update is a $100 fee for someone to post uh, to Steam Greenlight. The proceeds will be donated to Child's Play. We have no interest in making money from this, but we do need to cut down the noise in the system. So now there's a barrier to entry, $100 fee to put your game onto Greenlight. Valve's not taking the money. They're donating the game to Child's Play. Um, on a side note, this was not organized with Penny Arcade. Like The guys from Penny Arcade didn't even know that they were going to do this, but a lot of charities are like that. Um especially when it comes to the uh, the child's play charity. Uh so there was kind of there was some mixed feelings going on with that and one person who had a, a strong feeling about it was Ben Kuchera from the PA report. Um he didn't necessarily he doesn't like the $100 fee for green uh for the for putting things on to green light and uh from what I can tell, you know, I read the article, which is actually pretty lengthy. He had a lot to say about it. I don't know if he just felt that emotional or if this is because he's a writer. <laughs> you know, he said all this stuff, but um, basically he thinks that it's it's not fair, you know, for developers that have a tight budget. And he's talking about the developers that are pinching pennies together and can barely afford their rent and things like that. And according to him, he says, you know, a $5 fee would do the same thing remove the trolls and he says that you know all the game all developers should have the same voice and it's not very often that i disagree with him but i actually kind of disagree strongly with uh ben on this one because well first of all the, that five, a five dollar entry fee would not do the same thing as a hundred dollar fee like if somebody wants to put a game up for five bucks like okay you know they'll put a game up for five bucks the average person five five bucks for a joke is not, you know, that big of a deal. You know, it it would definitely cut down on trolls, but it wouldn't, you know, remove as many trolls as the hundred dollar fee uh, is going to do. Uh, secondly, a hundred dollar fee is not that much, and he does say that he's like, you know, to a lot of us, hundred dollars is not that isn't that much, but some of these developers, you know, it's a hundred dollars to put their game on Greenlight. Or maybe it's $100 to pay the rent. And to that I say, if you were a developer, an independent developer, I was, you know, you would have to be. If you're an independent developer and you have to choose between rent or green light, you choose rent. Obviously, there's something else wrong there. And, I mean, Rob, you can step in and tell me if maybe I'm not thinking about this correctly. But if you're having enough trouble to the point where you can't get $100 together to get onto this, this service then maybe you should be focusing, you know, maybe the one, you just don't put it on the service and you can continue to work on your game. Nobody's telling you to stop working on your game, but maybe you should be focusing on something else that would actually get you some money. Yeah, I would assume that you're working a regular job. Uh, maybe you're not working a regular job. Think about it like, you know, it, it, it's like if, you're not, if, you, if you're that tight for cash when you're developing a game, I can't imagine that your actual... Like you're a fully a full time game developer, uh, you know, like you you should probably have a job on the side while you work on this game, you know, or maybe you're sacrificing the amenities of life and the, you know the, those luxuries that having a, like a regular job could, you know, give you. 
maybe you're you know maybe you're sacrificing that stuff to live your dream. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I I'm not gonna say there's anything wrong with living your dream or making those sacrifices. You're an adult. You can you can do that. You can do that. That's your decision. But at the same time, like, I mean, this isn't a a human right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can't afford to get onto the service, or I shouldn't say onto the onto green light, then I mean, you just can't afford to get on the green light. That's not really Valve's problem, and Valve's not mean for doing it. Like, would this even be an issue if green light didn't exist? Um, no, I don't think so. Not in the same way. Um, I mean. <sighs> I I agree. Like it's weird because actually it's funny. Last night, Ben Gutierrez was tweeting and he was saying that like he was basically on the opposite side of the fence. Like he he had the complete opposite position last night on on Twitter. But then after like talking with like people and going back and forth a lot, um, he like this morning, you know, I guess you know got a night's sleep on it and woke up and wrote, you know, his wrote this and it was completely opposite of what he was saying yesterday. Um, it, it's weird. Like I agree in a sense that like, I don't, I don't think a hundred dollars is too much. I mean, like I get it. A hundred dollars can be the difference between, you know, rent money and all that kind of stuff. Like, like he's saying, like for some people like that are, that are really like really trying to make it, make a go of it and, you know, make a game and put the game out there that that hundred dollars can be the difference between them, you know, making it or not making it. Or, or you know, being able to live in a place or not live in a place, you know, what, whatever the case may be. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're serious, if you really are trying to make it, that hundred dollars shouldn't. I, I don't. I, I agree with his original position. I, I don't think that that hundred dollars is too much. I. It's weird because the one thing he was saying, he was like, if you want to, if you're trying to like, you know, get a hundred dollars for green light, sell a hundred dollars of your game on your website. Like is what he said last night. And I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, it depends on what you're making, but if you're making it for steam, you're making it for PC. So you're probably selling the game at, you know, looking to sell the game at five to 10 bucks, maybe at least. So it's not that unreasonable, you know, to sell 10 copies of the game, I guess. And then, and then try and get yourself on the green light. Like, in a sense, like, I think what people are maybe looking for green light to be is like a Kickstarter to get on Steam. <laughs> I think that, but that's, I'm serious though. Like, the more I think that I've thought about it, I'm like, in a sense, like, I could see how that would work, but I could see what a nightmare that would fucking be. I mean, like, because it's not Steam, like, it's, it's not, it's not Valve's, Valve has no, like, they don't. They don't have an obligation. That's that's the word I'm looking for. They don't have an obligation to get your game on Steam or to even give you a chance to get on Steam and you know past whatever their their normal certification process is. Right. Like they don't. They don't owe that to anybody. They are, they are a private company. They they're in it to make money. Despite what however you feel about Valve and how wonderful Valve is, they are they're still a company and they they don't owe it to to you as a developer to put your game on their console or on their on their service without seeing that there's a reason that that should happen that hundred dollars it basically does it basically does show that you're serious it doesn't guarantee you anything but it's the same thing as anything else if you go to college to get a degree it's just a it's just a a, a piece of paper to compete it's not a guarantee of anything and in a sense it's almost kind of like with a hundred dollars is for green light you still got to go out there and do legwork and get people interested in your game to go to green light and go you know get you votes to try and get on steam 
I mean, there's going to be success stories, but I think that when people start talking that $100 is too much, they're looking for it to be a Kickstarter. They're looking for it to be, you know, something that you you get a you know you get ahead of steam on you get people interested in you talk to people you engage people on social media in different places and events and you talk about your game and you get people genuinely interested in your game and then you point them at greenlight and you and and you can get your game on the steam because it's a good enough game um uh, i there was one uh, and i don't know if it was in this article or if it was something that somebody else said i think it probably was in the article but um Somebody said that a, a good way that to kind of like I guess counteract the hundred dollar, the hundred dollar fee. Instead of doing a hundred dollar fee, if people had to show a real demo of their game and put it on Steam for people to be able to download and try before that they made their vote, that like that could be a good answer because that would still show you're serious and it wouldn't be a barrier to entry. Because if you're gonna put your game on Steam, you should have a, a you should be able to put together a demo or something that people can actually play. Your game should, if you're putting, if you're going to put it on a green light, it should be done more or less. True, I would think. But who approves the demos? Right, I know I, yeah, you're adding but, a whole lot of work for yeah. Valve, and the whole point of green light is not to do that. I know, exactly. like that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like it's a, it's a catch twenty two. Valve doesn't owe you anything, but green light is an opportunity, and to exclude people because of that hundred dollars, it seems seems wrong. But I really don't think that if you're serious, that hundred dollars is. I, I don't. I just don't see how it would break you any more than you know. The it it's not free to make games. Like even if you're an indie person, like it's not free to sit down there and make a game. You know, people people either you know give up their livelihoods. You know, they put some money away and then they try and go at it and and make a game, or they work a you know they work a some crappy little job to try and like you know make ends meet while they're trying to do this on the side, and you know. Like they may not have a lot of money, but you spent money. You put money into it. It's an investment. It's it's what it is. Green light's not a guarantee, but it is an investment, and and it's a license to compete. I mean, when there's a lot of shit on green light because of they're not being a fee, they're kind of almost doing you a favor to add a fee. Like honestly, because that means that a lot of the bullshit that I've seen on green light probably won't be there. Exactly. I'm I'm probably more likely to actually go to green light. You know. Well, I'm at work just or take a look like at, that. Yeah, take exactly. a look through things. Exactly, you know. On the but looking at it the first time, I looked at it, you know, like I looked at it two, two, three days ago when it launched, and I was like, never mind. Yeah, it, seriously, I yeah. opened it, and I was like, okay, and closed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I cannot, I cannot lie. I mean, like if you're a dev that's indie and you and you can't manage to get yourself to to conventions or pay for the you know the convention spaces or to have a booth or anything like that, I understand that. I do get that. But, and if you are able to do that, then hundred dollars really shouldn't mean anything to you. But if you're not able to do that, I get it. But if, but maybe, maybe in a sense, Greenlight is almost doing things in, well, not in reverse, but doing things in reverse. You get, you, you know, you put a, pay a hundred dollars, you do the legwork, you get people interested in your game, you get people getting word of mouth, you talk on social media, you, you engage people, you do all the legwork that you'd have to do anyway, really, if you're an indie dev and you get people to, to upload your game you know, point them to a demo that's on your site or something too um, so that people can actually play the game, which I, I think will make a huge difference because most of those games are just sitting there looking at a picture, you know. Um, it, and and then people upload your game, you get on the Steam, and then you can make some sales off of Steam, and then you can go on the indie circuits and into the events, you know, from the money that you've made from that and multiply your success even further. 
you know, I think that maybe in a, in a way, green light's like almost a, a different, it's just a different avenue to get in. And a hundred dollars doesn't seem too steep for that. Exactly. You know, like, no, especially considering the success here. stories. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> nobody's rich, but especially considering the success stories we've seen on steam. I mean, we've seen indie devs on steam or on console launch their games and then have their game on console for a year, whatever exclusive they have to do, and then put it on Steam, and they're like, I, I made more money in a week on Steam than I made in a year of being on PlayStation or Xbox Live or whatever. Like, I mean, it's and it's not like it's happened one time or anything. Like, it's happened multiple times. I honestly can't think of any examples, which is doing a terrible job for my argument right now. But It's um, like um, something saves the world. I, can't, I can never pronounce that. Chaltutu or... Wow, fuck! It was Zboid, Zboid games. Uh, Zboid, yeah, Zboid had a lot of those too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna get kicked in the ass for not being able to pronounce that. I'm a dumbass. Cthulhu. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Cthulhu. I'm, I'm thinking you. about some other stuff. I'm thinking about like games that like were made, like were put out on the consoles under publishers. Like, um, uh, wasn't Bastion one that did really, did really well on on Steam versus how it did on consoles? Yeah, that was another one. That was another one. Um. I'm still missing ones, but like, I mean, like when you have success stories like that, where people are like, I've made like 200% what I made in a year and like a week or whatever that I honestly, a hundred dollars doesn't seem too steep to, if you can get enough people to, to, to get on your game to green light it in the first place, people will probably buy it. So I, I think you, you, it's a, it's a sound investment if, as long as you can do the rest of the legwork. If you're going to put in a hundred dollar fee and you have no way to back it up outside of like, well, I, my game is good. Everybody thinks their game is good. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put it on green light if they didn't think so. Well, except for the people who are trolling because it was free or whatever. Right. But you, you wouldn't pay a hundred dollars to put it on there unless you thought it was good. Everyone thinks their game is good. You wouldn't be making games if you didn't think you could make a good game. I don't I I don't think that there's anybody who's sitting out there in a garage right now with their friends, you know, trying to put together a little indie company and make a game that thinks this game's going to be fucking shit when we make it. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. So everybody thinks their game is good. That's not the problem. <laughs> like the problem is, you know, doing the legwork to make other people realize that your game is good and get them to agree with you because it is good. You know, everybody wants their game to be good or thinks it's good. The Valve doesn't owe you anything. If you don't like the green light process, don't do green light. I mean, that's a simple answer, honestly. Pretty much, like it's not a, it's not, a, it's not a human right. it's not an inalienable right that if Valve does not owe you anything. It's not an inalienable right that you need to get on green light. Do, There's nothing in the world that says you need to get on green light. You then find a different way. Do find whatever you way. were gonna do before green light. It, it, pretend green light doesn't exist. True. Just, also since, true. since it just came out like a week ago, I think that shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, like if that was, if I mean, like I could see how it could come along for some people and be like the answer to their prayers for like some companies that you know had a game that you know for whatever reason couldn't make it past like the certification process for not through any fault of their own, but just because it didn't for whatever reason, um, or you know because it just didn't get approved, and now they have a, a way through. But those people are totally willing to throw down a hundred dollars to get in the gate because they're they're almost guaranteed that like okay now people will get to see and it'll get in. So I, I just don't see, especially when, and, and the one thing I did think when, when green light thing started was that like, man, this is, if, if valve had not donated the money to charity, I would probably feel different about it. I'll say that because it does see because then it would seem like a cynical cash grab at people who are trying to like, you know, who are being idealistic about what will happen with their game if it gets on green light. 
like not what will happen if my game gets on Steam, but Greenlight will make all my dreams come true. But they're not. They're giving all the money to chari- to Child's Play. They're saying we don't want a dime from this. So I I can't I can't see it as a cynical cash grab because it's not. It, it's so it, it, the onus is on the person who wants to make the game. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like like I said, it's it's not a right and for for some like some of the reactions that I've seen, which you know, G- G- Gama Sutra had actually had a couple articles up that um that had well, I shouldn't say a couple, but I had one article that had a couple of uh, mixed responses, and I mean. They, they're not the bad guy here. They offered a service. They saw that it was being cluttered with crap, and they tried yeah. to fix it. Exactly, and I think this is a good solution. Like it, that... it's the only solution that doesn't create a shit ton more work for Valve. Exactly. It would defeat the purpose of doing Greenlight if Valve had to sit there and approve and go through every single one of the games. Otherwise, they could just throw everything in the certification. Exactly, thing. exactly. So, I mean, real world solutions don't always please everybody, but this is still better. I think. Green light, I think, is a good idea, but it always like even when I heard that you know anybody could put stuff on the first thing I thought of was people just putting garbage up. Garbage. I mean, clones. We've all seen what indie in Xbox Live indie games look looks like looked like. Exactly. And not to mention, like that's only one part of the problem. Like with green light, the second part of the problem, the people who actually use it, like the the the, the users, a lot of them just like they'll get onto a game. And they're like, oh, this is a clone of blah, blah, blah. Not because it's actually a clone, but well, just because, because it, it, it may have the same graphical style. Mm-hmm. You know, or something like that. You have a lot of uninformed users on that thing. <laughs> a lot of uninformed users. So that's now, I think that may be the next thing that Valve needs to tackle. So it's, it's a process. It, came, it just came out last week. I think in the end, it'll be a good thing, but it, it's a process and... No one valve they'll 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 work it to the best of their ability. And it should be good by the time they're done. Just like Steam. Nobody liked Steam when they first came out. Alright, now everybody loves Steam. Exactly. Present company included. I was not a happy camper with Steam. And then you, you kinda grew to love it because they worked on the platform and it got better. So But uh yeah, I think uh that'll that'll end us for our topics tonight. Let's talk about what's coming out next week i just had it up actually i guess we can since it's uh, when you guys hear this it's going to be thursday uh but this friday mark of the ninja is coming out oh really oh i'm excited i'm serious i love the shit out of stealth games and i'm really excited dude it's it's i adore stealth games i really do I, i don't know what it is but i've always adored stealth games that really involve like actual stealth and mark of the ninja seems super in that vein i mean i played it at pax but yes uh, yeah, absolutely it first, is, first day by <laughs> yeah absolutely it's awesome i was just happy i got to play the game with jamie like the creator yeah and get some additional insight like, like this is fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all you can think after you play this yeah. this is yeah yeah so uh that's coming out um uh, a game called kung fu strike oh actually is that this week Actually, Kung Fu Strikes was coming out this week. Actually, so the 5th, so yesterday. Um, we actually have a review going up for that very soon, but for the PC version. And um, you might want to check it out before you buy it, because depending on the type of person you are, it's either going to be a really good, challenging game, or it's going to drive you fucking nuts. So you might want to check that out. Uh, next week, though, 
Uh, Double Dragon Neon, maybe the game of the week? And the Tekken Tag Tournament 2, supposedly? That, but I don't even know if that's true. Tekken Tag Tournament 2, I don't see it on the list here. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm like, I, I, yeah. So, no, at there, yeah, September 11th, actually. That is that is confirmed. That is confirmed. So, yeah. okay, so Tekken Tag 2, that will be definitely be the game of the week. I just don't see it here. Um, but yeah, other than that, you got Double I mean, Dragon. Really it really is the week after. What are we kidding ourselves? Yeah. That's going to be the game. <laughs> game of the month, really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're getting closer and closer to that time where a bunch of good games are going to come out. You know, you know, we'll go from there. I think this year was like the end of October is when a lot of good stuff comes out because it'll. I know. It's, yeah, October through. Really, honestly, it seems like everything's coming out in the beginning of, beginning of next year. Like, I mean, aside from like big, you know, the heavy hitters like Assassin's Creed Three and stuff. That is true. Yeah, well, there is a Medal of Honor coming out. Like, isn't that like the first or second week of October or something like that? supposed to be pretty, pretty I close. yeah i don't have a date in front of me on that i'm looking forward to that. i i do i i mean i like the first one i want i hope it doesn't like suffer like a sophomore syndrome like or, or try and change direction too much because i've i i hope that they stick with like having like a real story and having it be yeah. kind of grounded i mean like i it's not a perfectly realistic game I've never said that but it it does like it does in a it does honor you know troops and sacrifice yeah. and 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 put you in like kind of really tense situations that are closer to reality than call of duty ever managed, managed. i just i hope it, it stays personal i think like to me the original like Medal of honor 2010 was a very personal game like you kind of got into those characters that you were playing oh yeah and i think it's because you only went between like the one the one main squad and then you know near the the other part of the game you know you you must you got it with the infantry but you only switch between two and that's what worries me about warfighters that now you're, you're talking like oh we're gonna have all of these special forces people and it's like that's gonna be a lot of things to do yeah, unless you I, just I, encounter I, them and they become part of your squad like you don't switch because like it, it seems like it might be going to that call of duty let's switch perspectives all the time yeah thing. and I like jet setting all over the place i really don't yeah. like that like I, the thing is like the thing about like that that metal of honor is like you had the same scenery the entire time and like i guess i don't know i guess it kind of became home even though right. you were switching between the different squads but it wasn't you weren't switching that frequently and it yeah. was just it was just really we good put together. So part. hopefully yeah. they don't try to overdo it. They need to work on that multiplayer though. That's what you I need hope to that do. that's what they fix and they don't they didn't concentrate on trying to make it like Call of Duty. I hope to God. But Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But um Alright, so yeah, you can uh, catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons. You can catch us on iTunes, uh as well. Um you can catch us on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices if you just want to stream. Uh, we're on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site. We're on facebook.com slash mash those buttons, which that's pretty much where all of our giveaways are happening right now. Twitter didn't show us too much love. Facebook shows us more love. So that's where, that's where the free games are going. I got two free- weird streaks with that. At first it was Facebook and then Twitter was giving us love and now it's Facebook again. And you guys got to be consistent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <You> really do. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got two copies of Snapshot. Uh, from the developer that we can give away. Which be happy uh, it's not the other game you played. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know, I have extra codes for that, and I love I love you guys so much. I'm not giving them away. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> like, I have extra codes for that, and they're not going anywhere. I'm gonna lock them in a vault. 
<laughs> He's gonna put it in the vault and then put it and then put it in the ocean and let it sink to the bottom. When they when they finally open Pandora's box, those codes are gonna be in there. Oh man! <laughs> so, um, yeah, not that's not happening. But the um, what else is happening? Uh, once we hit 300 likes, we will be giving away a copy of CS:GO and 1500 Microsoft points. So that's uh-huh. is that basically every hundred likes we get? Is that yeah? That? I'll say every hundred likes. Okay. I, I'm tempted to do something for like you know two fifty, maybe give away like a orcs must die. Uh-huh. I don't know. We'll see. I'll up to it. You know, developers don't give us that. Like the stuff that we're giving away for that, like developers don't give it to us. So it's the stuff that we we'll, we'll pick it up and then we'll give it to you. So right. you know, giving some love back for giving us some love. We're buying your love, <laughs> but um. Let's see. Out of love. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um other than that, we also you can catch us on youtube.com slash mash those buttons. We've got the first episode of Mash That Out, which is on the Dreamcast. And uh, you guys should check that out. Um next week, I believe it's on the fighting game community or fighting games in general. Gotta check with the video guy. <laughs> it's a no for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's the one that's coming out. Uh, but we're probably excited for the next, well, this is the first week, so nine more weeks will be for the, for the first season of MASH that. And we would definitely appreciate any, any feedback you can give us on that. But, um, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Maybe next week we'll be at full MASH half. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have everybody back. Um, Nick, unfortunately, I, like he, I, I talk, you know, he talked to us. He wasn't able to make it. Mikey, I don't know if he fell into some type of void playing Guild Wars. You know, he might have. I, he has. He had been very much into that game, so I don't know. Maybe he did. I know, like uh, on the same server, but man, I see him on every time I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> if I see him appear on Skype, he's gonna have a full beard and gray hair now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. So next week we'll see if we have everybody here, and we will catch you then. Later. Later.